Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Vine for October 4th, 2020. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And welcome Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. Yes. Um, last week uh, we, had, we were talking about the coming presidential debate on Tuesday, and it ended up being one of the most bizarre, and I think it'll go down for many cycles. <laughs> Uh, in the future as one of the most bizarre presidential debates in American history, and that is not even our lead topic, um, if you know where we're going with this. Um, Later on Thursday night, it came out that um, Hope Hicks, aide to the president, um, had tested positive for COVID-19, and I don't know about y'all, but I went to bed knowing that, and then you know, Donald Trump and Melania Trump had, were both being tested. The results were not out. And about 3.30 that morning, remembering as I just happened to get up in the middle of the night uh, for a few seconds, I remembered that that had happened. And I thought, well, let me check, you know, just whatever is on the front of my phone, political wire, CNN.com, whatever, Twitter. And sure enough, the results had come in. He and his wife were, in fact, positive for COVID-19, and so I couldn't sleep, stayed up a good hour right then watching the news unfold, and it has not stopped seemingly even in the last hour or two. Um, the, the theories are all over the place. There's people thinking he's faking the whole thing. There's people thinking he's on death's door, and they're making it sound better than it is. Um and the American people have hurt his doctor, but have lost faith in him. And no one knows what to think. Catherine, do you know what to think? <laughs> well, I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know what to think of. You know what is actually going on. But I think the most alarming things are that I think we've learned that they he actually was tested on Wednesday morning after the debate and was positive then, and then went to a big high donor fundraiser in New Jersey, which is, you know, outrageous and exposed people. And Hope Hicks was on the, on the plane that day, and they claimed that he, she was being quarantined. I don't know how you quarantine someone on a plane, but that's what they were claiming. Um, I mean, that's just really alarming. And then this stunt this afternoon, which I'm sure we'll get to later. But I think there's just a lot of um, random information going on. We, I don't think we really understand all the actual, the factual and all that is, uh, you know, people surmising what is going on. But it's certainly um, troublesome that, 
they don't seem to be taking this as seriously as you or I, as the three of us would, if, if we had been um, tested positive and showed symptoms, we would be in the hospital. We wouldn't be riding around in, you know, suburbans and waving to people. So it's all very alarming to me. Yeah, we, we can get we can kind of let this thing unfold because there's a lot to it. Um, Tim, uh, this news that that he tested positive—I mean, some people have said they're actually surprised that it hadn't happened sooner, given how he's disregarded everything. Um, but what's your take on what's actually going on through all this uh, myriad of information? Uh. Perhaps you mean a, a, a lack of information or disinformation. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, this, again, this is so troubling because this administration has not been known for its transparency, you know, with, with this sort of thing. And and uh, because they've, they've tried to sell this... Uh, alternate reality ever since he came down that escalator in the summer of 2015. And, uh, you know, this, this just blew all of that up, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, reality has come home now. Uh, we, we, there are certain things, of course, we know. We, we know that nine uh, of the 11 Infected people, for instance, were were at that event last Saturday, the rollout of the Supreme Court justice in the Rose Garden. You guys and, and everyone listening ha, has seen the film footage of that and the pictures of people hugging and all the people who tested positive who were on the first three rows. And, and I think the only two people that were not at that event were Hope Hicks, <laughs> Oddly enough, and and Nick Luna, but but he's Trump's body man, so he he's right with the president all the time. But this does destroy Trump's alternate reality, uh, you know, where the virus is receding and this and that and the other. And the reality of this thing is, he could be a lot worse than than they say he is. The 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 those doctors. Uh, out there talking, I, I'm I'm not sure I was buying that. It sounded more like it was something that was written by the administration for them to say. I understand the the thing of putting the best foot forward, but uh, you, you know I think the American people can handle this, guys. We've lived in this country through horrible wars, great depressions. All kind of things, and and the American people need to just know that that's where I think we are right now. We we just need to know because this is our president. Don't you think so, David? Oh yes, uh, and all this myriad of information. That's where these conspiracy theories come from. The the theory he mm-hmm. doesn't even have it. Well, I kind of no. think all these people in his orbit that have it. Um, are kind of a dead yeah. giveaway. Also, we're getting at the same time this, like, the information that we get from this Dr. Um, uh, Conley is yeah. one source, but then we hear, oh, well, we've heard he's gotten this kind of treatment, and if it weren't serious, they wouldn't give him this because if he got this, it would um, 
possibly have side effects that were negative and, and all this. So we're getting this information that it's way worse than what they're putting on. And then, of course, the videos come out. And, Catherine, you were alluded to the, you know, the joyride. Um, so that, I mean, there's obviously, to me, too much information um, that he has nothing. And then, and then I even saw somewhere in the political wire comments that he's really passed away and they're hiding it. And I, I definitely don't think this is a weekend at Bernie's situation either. I mean, th- th- that, that's what's so problematic to me is you the, the misinformation has given birth to two wildly different but probably equally wrong conspiracy theories, and it would just help to know the information that lies somewhere in between. What do you think, Catherine? What? Oh, I agree. I mean, I think, you know – when we don't have the correct information, the real information, we tend to uh, come up with our own scenarios and they can be extreme on either side. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's scary to, to, uh, to, to um, face the idea of the president being very ill. No matter how you feel about the president, he is our president and he has, you know, a great deal of responsibility and accountability and duties that need to be fulfilled. And if he's incapacitated, it, it is, it is frightening. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's when you lack real information, you just start thinking that, some people think the worst, and some people think the best. It's just the way we are. Yeah, one thing I thought's been kind of strange out of this. At the same time, he tested positive. Um, his wife Melania Trump tested positive, and no one, other than maybe early on that she's doing fine, um, she's more asymptomatic than he is. We haven't heard anything else, or seen anything else, or heard anything about her going to visit, which. You know, typically we hear when someone has this, other than the medical personnel, no one's in or out. Now, we've heard that, I guess, since it's a suite and he's the president, they have let administration-type folks in there. Well, one would think, I mean, she can't get it twice, that there'd be some big story about her going to visit or, or something more about her condition. Have you found that kind of strange, Tim? I have, but, you know, this is the mark of this presidency. Look at the first of the presidency where she clearly uh, was <laughs> absent from the White House and, you know, was staying in New York. And uh, there's been periods of this all through this presidency where she just suddenly vanished, receded into the background. I think this is one of those times. I don't think she wants to visit Walter Reed. I don't think she wants to be part of what she probably is viewing as something of a circus-type atmosphere there right now. And I think she's just staying at the White House. And she could be also, you know, symptomatic we don't know it, and she could be getting treatment there. The, and and of course, then there's there's her 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 son, I believe, is there with her too. So uh, no, it, th- this is this is not su- surprising at all. You know, people are scratching their heads about all of this, but I, I guess it's okay to be concerned about the health of all of these folks 
and to wish for and pray for their speedy recovery and at the same time be angry at the cavalier attitude that this president and his administration have taken uh, when viewing uh, this virus in front of the American people. This was totally unnecessary and irresponsible, and a lot of people have been hurt as a result, and, and it never came home to roost more than it did this week when this virus swept through and almost decapitated the upper layers of our government. So, yeah, um, my, Catherine, so uh, I guess my, my Mike Pence says, uh, you know, he's not taking over the duties by any means, even though they said at one point, a point they could kind of figured out what that would look like if he did. Um, but he is having to do some of the day-to-day duties. We know he uh, took over the call to the governors about um, coronavirus protection and the elderly. And, um, you know, they're having to have him take on more of that. But at the same time, he's still got a pretty robust campaign schedule. And people have also pointed out that he is the next in line. And given how um, rampant, you know, COVID-19 was throughout this White House, uh, does that seem pretty risky to you? Well, I'm surprised that he hasn't tested positive. I mean, he had he, he had people very close to him test positive. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's risky. I want to go back to Melania for a second. Sure. You know, some a tape came out of her being awfully... Uh, critical of Christmas and she was kind of snotty about some other things. They may be trying to keep her uh, quiet, like keep her out of the limelight because of that. That was right before all this happened. Yeah, it was Christmas decorations. Um, Right. You know, she was talking about how she has to decorate for Christmas decorations. And then something about how uh, you know, children in cages were portrayed in the um, in the media. Even though you know Obama did all this, and uh, that was news to me, um, deporting people and putting them in cages in the process are two uh, vastly different things. Um, but yeah, that, that and then you're right. She didn't have the best week, and given this didn't happen, it, it might have made more news. Uh, but this has just blown everything. You know. Right. Off of every page, so, seemingly. Think, but Becky yeah. Um yeah, well, you know, I'm no fan of, of uh, Mike Pence, and uh, I I worry if he, if they have to go to the 25th Amendment and put him in charge, and if something happens, I, I worry about that. Um, but as it stands right now, it looks like we're going to be okay, at least for a while. But I assume he'll probably go out on the campaign trail more yeah apparently he's got a a rally in arizona a rally in another state and of course he's going to do the um, vice presidential debate on wednesday and he is going to utah for that um to me that would have been a pretty easy fix for both of them even though kamala harris has been in utah for a while um kind of basing things out of there they could have probably switched that to um washington and then 
put them well apart from each other, had a room, just the two of them and the moderator and the camera crew. Uh, no audience, but th they haven't done any of that. Um, that kind of gets to another question. Are y'all surprised, and I'll start off with you, Tim, are y'all surprised that there's been not much change in business after this? I mean, you don't see many more people with masks on. You don't see people saying, let's do this this different way. Let's revisit opening this. I mean, you know, college football games got played, pro football games. I mean, honestly, Cam Newton's positive uh, diagnosis has changed more in society seemingly than Donald Trump's as far as how we approach the coronavirus. Um, if you not, I, I thought maybe more Republicans would take it seriously now. No, they're still getting their coup from, uh, you know, the top of the food chain. If the president isn't changing his ways, and uh, according to the video releases that he's doing and this photo op stunt and things like that, He's not he's not changing much of anything. This could have been a a come to the mountain moment where where he stood up and said, you know, folks, I've been wrong about a lot of things. I, I'm now begging all of you to wear the mask. This thing is real. Believe me, I've got this thing. It took me getting this thing to realize the seriousness of it, and I was wrong. And I want you to know, going forward, we're going to do this, that, this, that. You know, that's what uh, – I, I, I hate to use the word normal, but what other word can I use? That's what a normal president would do. Uh, and he just he just hasn't changed anything. So, you know, his, his, his party, his supporters, and everyone around him just simply follow suit. No Pence shouldn't be going out anywhere. The cabinet ought to go to Pence and say, you stand down. Until the president is, you know, out of the hospital and back at where you stand down, we may need you here. You can't go out and do this. You don't need to be a surrogate. Let the kids go out and be uh, the surrogates. You need to stay here and be the vice president. But, you know, I'm sure it was Trump told him to hit the road. So it all starts at the top. David, it, it, it always has started at the top. And in this presidency, everything starts and emanates yeah. from the top. And the way they act is a reflection of the way he acts. That's simple. Yeah, and actually, if you would have Mike Pence stay for the next few days, act more presidential, then if, if uh, you know Donald Trump recovers, the campaign moves forward – um, Mike Pence is probably a little bigger deal on the campaign trail because I doubt many people, other than the hardcores, you know, walk across the street to see Mike Pence at this point. Um, mm -hmm. So therefore, you would raise his profile and make him a bigger deal to where he would be more valuable from October, say, tenth on. Um, Catherine, are you surprised that the Republicans, by and large, have not kind of kind of changed their ways? Um, from Donald Trump. I mean, they did see him wear the mask walking across the White House lawn. Well, I think it's it's a little too soon to make a complete judgment about that. But uh, no, I'm not. I'm, I mean, for immediate response, no, I'm not surprised. Uh, I think Tim had it absolutely right. It's it's up to the. They all take their lead from the president. With a few, you know, there's a few outliers but not many and 
Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, you heard. Uh, I think it. I think it was a tweet from. Uh, I call her Senator Barbie. Um, Senator Lawson. <laughs> um, about how we need, you know, that it's all about China. That this, that it's it's China's fault. All of it's China's fault, and we need to take. We need to uh, make them accountable. So. They're not taking yeah. any responsibility. You know, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling when you see these reactions. Yeah. Catherine, Barbie's a sweet girl. Don't disparage Barbie like that. Okay. <laughs> we also talked uh, uh, Senator, uh, Senator uh, Seat Warmer. Uh, but but maybe maybe if they come out with insider trader Barbie, then that will be the one that, that is inspired by Kelly Loeffler. Um, okay. but, but yeah, and she was one of the first ones to just you know, oh, China did it and all that, which was which was so bizarre. Um, but Tim, okay, let's kind of think now about the campaign side of this. Um, you know, the the diagnosis means that. You know, Donald Trump is going to kind of obey any type of social distancing rules, even if he makes a, ma- a, a, a miraculous recovery. Um, the the next presidential debate is out. The last debate could possibly go on. I guess it could be a town hall, and then you'd have to think they'd want to change some rules for it. But then a lot of folks are going to be voted by then. So how valuable would that debate at that point be? You know, I had I, been thinking anyway, guys, that as a result of the first debate, the next two debates are not that important. I, I thought the first debate was the ball game, and, well, you saw what happened there, didn't you? Uh, so, I, I, and and are, are we for sure that the next debate is off? Is this president going to come sailing out of the hospital this week, say, I'm fully recharged, let's go, let's debate, blah, blah, blah. We don't know, but it would be in his M.O. to do it, to be Superman, yeah. even though the virus failed him, right? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. With the television stations um, st- uh, uh, with the television stations and the debate commission say, look, we're not even holding this. Not put it upon you know, the Biden-Harris campaign to say, look, we're not going to have this debate. Because he said, you know, after the, the the first debate was such a dumpster fire, he's like, well, we'll keep debating. I mean, he can interrupt me, and, and I'll fight back. We're going to keep debating for the American people. But this becomes a health issue, and obviously I don't think he would want to be there, but I don't think he even has to say no. I think the debate commission, it's their job to say no for everybody else, um, you know, the even the cameramen at that point, camera women, the crew. Um, I think right now, let's go ahead and segue over to our guest for I don't know how many times now, but always great when he is on. Uh, welcome back to the Kudzu Vine, Robin Biro. Thank you for having me, as always. My pleasure. Oh, yes. Well, um, Robin, uh, you know, whatever we thought we'd have planned for you when this got, uh, when you got booked uh, maybe two weeks ago, uh, <laughs> that's off the table. Oh, we knew we'd talk that's about national politics. Ago, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it, that does. feels like a year ago. 
Yes. Uh, so we, we've got to talk about uh, straight off the, this diagnosis. And, and I know yeah. that you are so brave and you enter the, the lines den like Daniel and go on Fox News, go on OAN and other media sources. Yep. Um, <laughs> Take, how to tell me. Behind you know, every you, line, you, I like to call it. <laughs> how are those conservative media sources, how are they viewing this diagnosis compared to you know, your three networks and your CNN and whatnot? Uh, they're focusing on the president's health, and uh, they're focusing heavily. I'll tell you what. They've been booking mostly for topics calling for unity, and they like to have – you know, they cherry-pick so bad, and they'll pick uh, a broad generalization that Democrats are being mean to the president and that we're not expressing empathy enough. And Or the one that I just had Friday was uh, – I was on Four Times Friday – and all, all of those said that Nancy Pelosi gave backhanded well wishes to the president, which is completely not true. But that's kind of how they're pitching this. Um, and I just go on every time and I say, I, I, I wish the president well and, and the first lady and everyone else that's affected with this um, and say that what I've, what I've been telling them is that we actually do want the president – sincerely to get better because the metrics look really good for us like we can we're, we're positioned pretty well to win this thing and we want this election to proceed as scheduled so by golly we do want him in in proper health and back out there doing his thing because it's looking pretty good for us and i think you're right about that assessment um well now then i'm going to back it up and ask a similar question that debate the other night was something we Ridiculous. had not seen and, and definitely not a positive for democracy in any way, shape, or form. Every poll that came out from the first one that C uh, CBS did, then CNN came out with one, Morning Consult came out with one. And then after they got so old, it was like people were probably assessing the spin. But all of those had, Don uh, had uh, Joe Biden as, as doing much better than Donald Trump. Um, but – and once again, in the conservative uh, media sphere, how did they view it or explain it away? Uh, they love to just dismiss the polls. Their go-to every time. If I, ever I bring up a poll, their go-to is, well, look how that worked out for Hillary Clinton. But I explain every time I'm on that the polls showed back then that she was going to win by about the margin she did, and she won the popular vote. I also explain, I go to the trouble and take the time to explain that we need to be paying more attention to the polls now because, of course, they've changed the polling metrics. Uh, pollsters can now call cell phones. They couldn't before several years ago. Um, so it's a much more accurate polling that we're, that we're able to glean from, uh, from all these different pollsters right now. And they've all been showing the same thing. So, uh, you know, it should be no surprise to them that, that – the president is uh, as, as unpopular as he is right now and that their campaign is really struggling, and it shows in their finances. The campaign is out of money. They've been pulling money from, from the uh, Republican Senate to, to loan to campaigns like Jamie Harrison's in South Carolina because there's no money for Lindsey Graham. Yes, it amazes me because a lot of these departments, uh, these news organizations have a research department, and you don't, and yet you probably have better um, information or more honest <laughs> information than they do. Um, well, I'm oh, going to yeah. pass it. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, oh, no, I'll pass it over to Catherine, but make your last point though, before I do. No, no, that's quite all right. Catherine, I'd love to speak with you. 
Hi, Robin. How are you? It's been so long. Lovely, Catherine. How are you? Thank you. A lot of things have changed in your life since the last time we talked. I just want to congratulate you (laughs) on your new family. Yeah, thank you so much. Yes, for for the listeners. I I love your uh, Facebook updates. I just love seeing those kids. They're adorable. And you seem to be doing such Uh, a great job. So. It's, thank you. I appreciate that. It's been really interesting through all of this to suddenly inherit two children and be raising them through a pandemic and all of this. Um, and they, they came pre, pre, uh, predisposed to certain political beliefs that align with mine, so I'm grateful for that. <laughs> yes, that's always, that's always a relief. I'm sure most parents feel that way. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, I, I wonder, one of the things that has been sort of in my mind a lot um, this election season is um, the, and I've talked about it, David and uh, Tim are probably sick of me asking about this, but I feel like the, the early voting and absentee voting has is really a shift in how campaigns oper- should be operating, but I feel like they're not really uh, adjusting their schedules uh, to accommodate that. So, I think we're going to be at the same point that we have always been where the last two weeks we hear a lot. We, um, you know, the ads, I mean, we're seeing a lot of ads now, but the ads uh, ramp up. And I just wonder how long is it going to take for the, for the national campaigns to recognize that people start voting very early now and that the campaigns need to be more, more uh, responsive early on than they have been. I'm glad you mentioned that, and it's it's very true, and and you're good to mention that because we're already we've already banked over ten times the amount of votes uh, in early voting that we did in two, in 2016. So, um, but there has been no adjustment for that, um, and you know we're kind of shooting a moving target here with that, uh, but the campaigns do need to catch up to speed on some of that. I'm just really happy to see the Biden campaign really concerned about electoral college math and investing in these little niche areas. And they, they are going after every single vote that they can in the Rust Belt and some of these states. I, I was astonished to see that South Carolina was within one point of, of in, the, in the polling. Uh, and the same with Alaska, of all places. So, you know, this spells huge trouble for the Trump campaign, which is why you see them uh, they've canceled all of their ads in most of the swing states, and they're focusing now on, on South Carolina, North Carolina, and Georgia, which should be a, a that should have been an easy one for them. But uh, you know, but but the Biden campaign does need to play some catch up here with the early voting. You're exactly correct, Catherine. Yeah, I, it's just kind of puzzling to me because I think we've in the states in the, at the state level, I think we have a better, yes. done better on that than we have uh, on the national level. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about is how do you think um, how do you think the party's doing uh, just in general? Do you think that we're um, in Georgia, if you want, or just in general? Do you think that we're you know engaging voters at a at a good clip and um, responding well to questions? I know some of my friends have had questions about voting and have had trouble getting answers and. I just wonder yep. if we're being um, as available as we should be to our voters for who, who may have questions. And I'm going to kind of go off on a, a 
I'm taking a risk here, um, but I'm a little bit concerned because I, I know most of the people that are staff. Uh, and I remember when I was staff, it was, you know, not uncommon to have 18, 20-hour work days. And they seem to be having a little bit too much free time, just in my personal assessment. Uh, when I see them checking in on restaurants and stuff on Facebook, I'm like, what? You have time to go out to a restaurant? <laughs> but I don't want to disintegrate. They're, they're doing a great job. We've got the numbers, but now is not the time to relax. You know, we cannot get complacent. I think the party's doing a great job. I know these people. They're good friends of mine. I think they're doing an outstanding job. Um, but I do have concerns because we're so close, and we just can't get complacent at all. We've got to absolutely crush this election. Um, because of the, the, the challenge that's going to be waiting for us immediately if we do win, it's got to be monumental to, so that we can keep this out of litigation and out of the court. I agree completely. I'm very concerned about that because there's going to be so many absentee ballots to be counted, and uh, I feel like the um, Republicans are going to be uh, laser-focused on those absentee ballots and eliminate oh, yeah. as many as they can in whatever ways they can. So I appreciate that. And I absolutely agree. You know, this now is not the time to relax. We can look at those yeah. polls all day, but, but they can change. We know they can change in a, in a flash. Well, well thank I do you, want Robin. To and I'm one thing real, real, yeah, real oh, quick before sorry. you go. Um, one thing, uh, I'm just really glad that, I, I criticized the campaign for not going out and canvassing, and now if, if you'd asked me that a week ago, I, that would have been my criticism. But thank God we didn't uh, because of this that happened with the president and his positive COVID diagnosis. That was very well calculated, and, and kudos to the campaign for, for avoiding that. Well, I agree with that, and I think that the you know uh, lifting up phone banking and this, post, this postcard projects I know are happening locally I think has been a really good response the inability to go canvassing. I think they've yes. been pretty creative about uh, about coming up with other options. So I know I, yes, I agree with indeed. you. Yeah, canvassing, not a good idea this year. No, no, not right um, now. I'm going to pass it to Tim. Thanks, Robin. Mm-hmm. Good evening, Mr. Biro. Glad you're evening, on with sir. us tonight. And, and before I started, I wanted to um, add my voice to what Catherine had, had said uh I too am a devoted follower of of what you've been doing on on social media, especially on Facebook. And I just want you to know that I've enjoyed reading it all, and you've just done a magnificent job there. That really means a lot um, to me. You know, family family first, uh, all day every. Yes, day. sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So, with all this happening. Uh, Obviously, this debate and then what happened to the president's health on Friday is a one-two gut punch, if there ever was one. Oh, yeah. And we know about trends. Has the president missed his last best chance this week to change the trajectory of this race? I honestly think so. Uh, you know, there's been some concern that he would get the sympathy vote. Because uh-huh. look, we go, you go back to Reagan's campaign. He got reelected one, once after he was ill from from a gunshot wound. And there's been no president in modern history that's not been reelected when they were ill. But you have to look at how he's responded to this. Um, and I, a poll just came out today that more than percent of Americans basically are looking at him like this was preventable. So I don't know how much sympathy mm-hmm. we're, we're going to have for a president that could have 
worn a mask in public and advocated for others to do the same and possibly, probably stayed healthy. So uh, I do think he's lost his last best shot, and I don't necessarily believe that we're getting the truth from his doctors right now. The Mm -hmm. press conference that was yesterday and the one today seem like two entirely different press conferences. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I just – I don't know that we're getting told the truth. Yeah, and and Mark Meta's words off the off the record, I might have seemed like a completely third thing too. Yes, uh, now, you know, there's more Republicans out there than Donald Trump having to run this year, and a lot of them were already in tough races. Yes. Um, what does the outbreak of this virus among Trump and the top GOP? Officials, uh, due to their campaigns now, do you think does it just throw them back on their heels, or it is hugely problematic for their campaigns? I was thinking about this uh-huh. yesterday, just on my own. Uh, and look, Donald Trump has been able to swoop in in campaigns that were like Lindsey Graham's that were tight and helped shore up the vote, but he cannot do that right now. He might not be able to do that until the last week before the election. Uh, so they're, they're struggling, and they're struggling financially. They're struggling in the polls. They're struggling with messaging. Uh, Lindsey Graham and Jamie Harrison's debate last night, Lindsey got stomped. So you know, mm-hmm. they're, just, they're, all, they're, they're all struggling financially, uh, and you know, they've hung their hats on this president. And right now this president has shown uh, that he cannot be trusted, and he cannot be trusted to protect our health. He cannot be – I'll tell you what. I had, I, I'm friends with a lot of these people from the other side of the aisle because I speak with them on television. And one of, one of the advisors, senior advisors to the Trump campaign was just texting with me last night, and she told me – she was discussing the president's uh, video that he posted last night. And I said, well, you know, it humanized him to a way, and we needed to see this. We needed to see some empathy because there's been a lack of it. And she said, well, he hasn't had time for any empathy. He's busy running the country. And I was like, uh, not my jaw just hit the floor. Like, how do you say that the president has no time for empathy for its citizenry? It blew my mind. <laughs> well, you know, and with all of this happening, we have yeah. two of these folks who have tested positive of the 11 are members of the Judiciary Committee. Obviously, exactly. you see where I'm going with this. Is it Indeed. wise for Mitch McConnell and for Lindsey Graham to keep pushing this fast track of the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court? They can do it all they want, but you know, I believe Nancy Pelosi, when she said that we will pull out all the stops on our end, too, uh, uh-huh. and whatever that may be. So, and, and we have every right to do so because they blocked Merrick Garland for 300 days um, right. and are completely being the biggest hypocrites ever right now. So I think this – I think they recognize that they're losing, and I think they recognize that uh, you know, for all, their, all of the doubts they want to cast on polling, I think they know that it doesn't look good for them. And this is their last best shot to try and preserve something of the GOP head into this election, and this is their, their – Last desperate attempt. I don't think they will succeed at it. Okay, and I want to turn to a completely different thing to ask my final question before I throw it back to David. You've discussed earlier in this segment um, about how um, people on the other side are handling uh, the president's uh, health issues and all that happened this week on television. But 
how are they viewing the actions and reactions of Joe Biden in the last, you know, three or four days since all of this is broke? They don't have much to attack him on right now because he's been – in uh-huh. fact, I've been, I've been in conservative media in the trenches here, uh, and they've been praising the tone and temperament from Joe Biden – uh, and uh, and many other Democrats, they, they, they're trying to. Um, the, the, what I'm gathering is that they're trying to get people to unite behind this and have sympathy for the president, and they're trying to show that Joe Biden does too. So we should all have sympathy for the president, and you know, try and get that sympathy vote is what they're going after. Um, like I said, I just don't think it's going to work. I I have about as much empathy for the president as he's had for us. Yeah, I, I agree with you. As I said before you came on, it's okay to both be concerned about the health of the president and pray for his health and to be yeah. angry at the same time. And don't you think that that poll that you cited, uh, the ABC poll, where 72% of the American people said this was pre- preventable as it could be, don't you think that that pretty much shows where people are right now? Yes, yes, indeed. And and look, we are concerned. We are praying for his health. And I, I begged yesterday on national television for people to sincerely pray for his health because this is of paramount importance that we've got. But the reason is that I'm more concerned about the election right now, that, that we have this mm-hmm. thing on time as per the Constitution, uh, and that he's in good enough health to, to, to proceed and have everything go as, as we've all been planning because it looks pretty good for us. Yes, it does. And with that, sir, I'm going to send it back to David. David? Thank you. Yes, well, Robin, we've asked you a lot of uh, national questions, and this one is national-related, but you're based out of Georgia. And so I wanted to ask you about the special election. Um, We've talked about it a good many times. Uh, It being the 21-candidate primary with, you know, at least two big-name Republicans, um, two or three known Democrats – um, different levels of profile. What's your take on how this thing's going to turn out in round one? I I have not been able. I, you know, that's a question I wish I could answer right now. It's just a little bit. I was glad to see the president President Obama came out and supported, um, but I just can't. I just can't tell. It's a little bit too much like buckshot right now. It's just all over the place. So. And that's not a bad answer because it is hard to tell with um, Loeffler and Collins running so close which one of them comes out. And then until recently, Raphael Warnock would be right there with the second-place GOP contender. See, just didn't know. Now, he did break out in a recent poll, and we'll kind of see. But but I, I think you are right on the money for what a lot of people think. It's, it's uh, not a known quantity, so uh, not a bad answer at all. I've got signs in my yard. I've got the signs on my yard for my preferred candidates, but that's about uh, that's a wish and a hope right now. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, um, Robin, we thank you so much for coming back to join us. So glad you're out there uh, fighting the good fight uh, on all those Amen. sources, and um, we'll keep uh, we'll keep you posted on when uh, the next time we can get you back. But until then, I know you probably are on social media to where people can read you, but then. Where are some kind of regular time slots if people want to see you? They can do that. Um, usually Monday mornings, uh, 5 to 6 a.m. on Fox News Channel. 
Um, and, and just check my Twitter, at Robin Biro, R-O-B-I-N-B-I-R-O. I always post um, the show times, and I can be given as little as five minutes' notice. So. <laughs> okay. Studio in the house. <laughs> yep, you better believe it. <laughs> yes. Well, Robin, thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, it's been my distinct pleasure. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody. Thank Thanks you, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Robin Pyro, um, just uh, one of the leading Democrats on, on all those conservative news sources like um, Fox News and OANN. He's kind of, I guess, it's him and what Donna Brazil and, and Juan uh, Williams at this point, it, it seems like. So glad to have Robin mm-hmm. as a friend of the show. Um, well, um, let's kind of continue on this discussion or, that we've kind of been having about the past week. And we mentioned the debates, like, would there be more? But this seems like a good time to kind of segue back. Um, Catherine, uh, the debate, we knew that it wouldn't be, you know, the Lincoln-Douglas debate. Um, but what was your take on what we saw? <clears throat> well, about 15 minutes in, I said to myself, I should just turn this off. It's not, nothing good will come of it. And I wish I had listened to myself, but I didn't. I watched the whole thing. Um, it was it was chaos, uh, n- not surprising. I felt like he was acting, like we often say, like a big baby. You know, he had to get his words in. He had to uh, be in control. And uh, I, <clears throat> I feel like... Chris Wallace was put in a very uncomfortable position, but I wish he had had more control over them. That I don't think he really could have uh, anticipated that it would be so ridiculous. But I did feel like, it, I mean, at some point they should have just <clears throat> maybe gone to break and had a, you know, come to Jesus moment with uh, the president to say that they would turn the whole thing off if he didn't behave, but I guess that's a lot to ask. So, but it was terrible. It was, you know, and he lied the whole time and it was, it was just embarrassing and, and kind of horrifying for the country and for, I felt terrible for uh, Vice President Biden for having to deal with that. And then it was, you know, humiliating for, I don't think the president felt like he was humiliating himself, but he was. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the problem. You're talking about cutting the, you know, the, you know, going to a commercial break, which I guess that was not planned. And Chris Wallace almost would have been had the one to decide it, and he couldn't have choreographed going to that. Um, and then somebody would have crowd fi- cried foul or what have you. And, and that's the kind of thing. Donald Trump followed very few, few rules before he became president. Now that he's become president, he follows essentially no rules. Um, so, therefore, um, you know, like you said, Chris Wallace was in a bad spot. Uh, Tim, what's your take? Well, I was with Catherine on one thing. I've, I've watched debates all my life going back in the 1960s, and I was really, really tempted to say, you know what, I'll just get the highlights later and and and, and shut, it, shut it off. And, and somehow my wife and I, who were watching it together, some we, we made it through. <laughs> um, but... I've never seen, of course, anything like this. No one has. I'm sure in debate prep that 
uh, Chris Christie and some others told him to, you know, be aggressive, be assertive, take control of the debate. And in Trump's mind, that that's the way he interpreted that to be. Just walk out there, interrupt everybody, blow the thing up like he's been blowing things up for years after all that work before blowing things up uh, in government and everywhere else, right? But it didn't come across well on television the other night. Uh, the average viewer was just saying no, no, no. On the, on the lunch uh, focus group, one lady said he acted like he was high on crack, and I, I was an undecided voter. She said, I ain't going to vote for him. I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. Uh, and that, that's kind of the reaction he got. I, I don't want to say he administered a fatal wound to himself because it's always been my experience that if your opponent has a pulse until the votes are cast and counted, then they are dangerous. They, they are an opponent, and they could still, you know, pull it out of the fire and win. But he didn't do himself any favors the other night, and I'm just not sure that the next two debates, and we don't even know the status of the middle one, uh, I'm not sure the next two debates are going to are going to mean very much. Uh, uh, Carville and some others seem to indicate that the first debate here, especially this year, was the ball of wax, and Trump administered a terrible blow to himself uh, because a lot of people that saw that. Uh, over 80 million of them are, are going to remember it, and and he just didn't. He didn't win any votes, so he didn't do what he had to do. While Joe Biden did exactly what he needed to do, and poor Chris Wallace. Oh, hey, it's a good thing for Trump that wasn't Chris Wallace's daddy sitting there. I, I tell you that right now. Don't you think so, David? <laughs> yeah, I just. It's so hard to criticize, you know, Chris Wallace because. He just talked over everybody, and Donald Trump wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. He wanted to bull everything. I, I mean, I think early on, you know, you had texted both of us. Um, early on, it looked like a basketball game where um, somebody's dominating in the paint, and they've picked up a foul or two. And I think I, you asked, you know, what does this look like so far? I said, if Donald Trump keeps this up, he's going to turn people off. I had no idea how he would continue to intensify through about the two-thirds point of the debate because he did finally, I guess, just wear out of energy um, because when they got to the the environmental questions, he kind of calmed down and Joe Biden could answer. Um, But but it did. He just kept on so much that whatever the the bulldozing might have looked positive for the first, say, 10, 15 minutes, that just went away. It was just so much. And it got completely blamed, you know, on um, uh, Donald Trump. Now, I don't think Joe Biden did win in that he, even though Donald Trump tried to rattle him with, you know, because he has a stutter and got him to kind of, you know, get into a few of those habits. I think Paul kind of understood that there's no way anyone could try to speak and and coherently through all that. Um, And then, of course, he got him to say, shut up, and you're a clown, and, you know, not things we really want out of our debates, but we'd want somebody to conduct themselves in a a much better way. My question, to ask Catherine, you this first. Okay, Donald Trump is the incumbent. He knew that that Joe Biden had a stutter, and that seems to be part of why he did a lot of that early on. And Joe Biden is a male, not a female candidate like Hillary Clinton. 
Joe Biden, I mean, I'm sorry, Donald Trump, you know, behaved even so much worse than he did in any of the debates in 2016. Which one of those do you think was the reason he just went full tilt on the strategy? I think um, it was a combination of two things. I think he was intentionally trying to rattle Biden because of the stutter, that um, it was his belief that if he rattled him, he would get, it would um, be uh, not confusing, but uh, it would make make it more difficult for uh, Biden to give concise responses. I think that was one reason. The other thing is, I don't think he can help himself. I think it's just the way he is. He he cannot not be in control. He he's. I mean, I've said it a million times. He's like a baby or a toddler. You know, he's like a three-year-old. He can't. He wants it his way, and he's gonna stomp his feet and whine and uh, until he gets it his way. And that I think that was well exhibited. But I think he also had directive from his uh, debate prep to try to interrupt uh, Vice President Biden as much as possible to to knock him off his game. Okay, Tim, a related question. Had Donald Trump behaved this way in the third or all of the debates against Hillary Clinton, would we be talking about Hillary Clinton's reelection right now. Would this have cost him the presidency had he behaved this way? No, I don't think so. 2016 was a different year. It yeah. really was. Uh, he was running as the outsider then. He was literally running as the guy that was going to tear everything down in Washington and, and his supporters hope. Right, yeah, right. And his supporters had hoped that then he was going to rebuild it. That's the part that he failed to do, but that's another story. Uh, no, I don't think it would have made any any uh, any difference. But I think what happened the other night was a combination of several things. Number one, uh, you, you know what both of you said is true. It, with Trump, it's his way, and that's it. You know, I'm going to go out there and do this. Here I go. It's my way. And it just went way wrong. This also lets me know something that I've suspected. He's paying a little more attention to those polls than a lot of people think he is. And that shows me that he he has been watching them, and he knows he's behind. And that was his version of trying to do something spectacular, just turn the race on its heel. And I also think because of that, did you notice that horrible scowl he kept on his face all night? That man was frustrated. All year, he has been trying to throw stuff at the wall to see what would stick to Joe Biden, and he just hadn't been able to get a handle on a good, even a tagline for Biden. Remember all the cute nicknames that he had for that? Sleepy Joe just ain't working. It certainly ain't working after the other night. And uh, he, I think he was just frustrated. It just all blew up at once, and it, uh, whoa! I just, uh, I, 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 I'm not going to say that that he can't win now, but I, I just, I, I'm really, tr- I'm really seeing a, a tough way for him to go electorally after this. If somebody sees it, if either one of y'all sees it, please 
let let me know, but I'm having trouble finding it even on the map now, guys. Yeah, he wasted another possession, another inning, um, whatever you want to say if a sports analogy. A big one. Catherine, um, do you expect Mike Pence to try any of the same strategy with Kamala Harris on Wednesday night? Oh, I don't think so. That's not Mike Pence. I, I, I think he would not behave that way. I don't, I don't think that's his style. I don't know what. I don't know how he'll behave, but I don't think he'll uh, stomp his feet and act like a baby. It just doesn't strike me as his mo. I, yeah. I mean, I can be uh, wrong, but I just don't. And I don't think it would be as effective with uh, Kamala Harris as it was with Joe Biden. Well, and it wasn't effective, and it would look even worse on Pence, and I think you're right. Um, well, now, Tim, I, I, Catherine and I agree, uh, you know, Pence won't behave in this way. So when Mike Pence and Kamala Harris are able to have a real discussion about the issues, how is that going to compare to what we saw Tuesday night and how the American people are going to react to that? Well, first of all, I'm concerned that after the previous debate, a lot of people are going to choose not to watch it. I think a diminished audience was in store anyway because it's the vice presidential debate. And whether we want to think so or not, in 99 out of 100 cases, the focus is on the top of the ticket. Uh, That being said, I think we're going to see For political folks, a rather entertaining and spirited discussion of policy differences and that sort of thing, both of them are good debaters. You've seen Kamala Harris in action uh, at various times in the Senate. Her background dictates that she'll be fine. And Mike Pence is a pretty good debater himself because he was a Congress. And uh, I thought he performed very well in the debate against uh, Senator Kane four years ago. As a matter of fact, I thought he won the debate. So I think it'll be a pretty good even match for political junkies like us that want to watch it. Will it change minds? Uh, No. Those of us that will compare it to the first debate will use the daylight and dark analogy. Most of us will say, well, this is more like, in these times at least, what a debate really should be you know, kind of look like what we expect of one. Uh, But nobody wants to see a repeat uh, of the other night or or in any way to have this debate compared to that. And the final thing, David uh, and Catherine, will it change minds? We're voting, pal. I think think we're beyond that now, don't you? I I think this debate, if Mike Pence in particular were to do well – it would help him for his campaign for 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, he starts out as the favorite, but I think if he affords himself well, um, it's more about that because he's the bo- he's the bottom of the ticket, not the top. She's what yeah. you know. And then of course, uh, Sobel vote. They really should move this whole debate calendar up um, it, with all the early voting. Um, you know that that's something they're going to have to look at in general. Is if we're going to de- uh, vote that early for that long are they going to move debates up are we going to try to be more efficient in how we early vote you know maybe open up more days but push the thing back you know that's some things they're going to look at well well, go ahead 
David, uh, let me let me interject a question because I've been thinking about that. Has that calendar diminished the effect these debates would even have on the overall race to start with, even if Trump hadn't acted like a fool the other night because of the calendar? Has it done? Oh, it has. And and that's my final question. We don't have time for much more. Is let's assume, and we don't know because we're even if we were a doctor, the information's so crazy it wouldn't matter. Um, But let's assume that you know Donald Trump has to quarantine for the full 14 days, and in that time he recovers enough to do that third debate. Um, Catherine, how do you think he handles it? Hmm. <laughs> Catherine? Well, Tim, same question. How do you think he answered? Oh. Go ahead, Catherine. I'm sorry. Um, I think I don't think he'll change much. He might be a little bit uh, toned down, but I don't think I don't. I just don't think he can help himself. I, he might walk in <laughs> saying he's going to be better, but I just don't think he can control it. Yeah. How about you, Dave? Tim? Yeah, I think we may see flashes at least of what we saw the the other night because at that point, at that late in the game, he really isn't going to know where to go, and, and who knows what he he will will say or do. I, for one, don't even look forward to it. I, I wish there were no more debates. I wish there were the end of it. And I'm a political guy that just loves to watch it. Am I the only one here that's feeling that way, that we just wish the debates were over for this year? Well, I think oh, I maybe absolutely agree with you. With his health diagnosis, I, I, I could think this might be a strategy. And I think I texted y'all this. One, you do need the Wednesday night debate. I mean, let you know Kamala Harris and uh, Mike Pence have their say. They weren't the ones that you know were any part other than, you know, uh, of Tuesday night's debacle, and I know I'm probably implicating Joe Biden there way more than he deserves, but but nevertheless, so you need to have that one, and then you could probably say, okay, because it's just probably not safe for Donald Trump to debate, and you know because he's been recovering, we're going to be fair to him. We'll go ahead and have a second VP debate um, as well, and then you could have another debate to try to let whomever have their chance. But it would be really to keep Donald Trump off the and, stage. And Trump, and, Trump, and Trump would never allow that to happen you are, because yeah. then the focus You're would not right. be on Donald Trump. Yeah. You're probably right. And, and less, unless he is, you know, and we just don't know how ill he is. Now, he really is ill and has no business, you know, other than, the, you, know, you know, taking some medicine real quick so he can wave in a, on an SUV or, or, you know, have a <laughs> one-minute – Twitter video, um, then he couldn't do debate prep. He couldn't go to a debate, whatever. And he's kind of a necessity. Then they might have to look at that. But but that, to me, that's kind of a compromise position to get another debate. We get a real discussion of policy, which you know the American people that are either undecided or persuadable, you know, they deserve. Well, um, that's the show for tonight. Next week. Um, we have our guest uh, back on probably about the third time. Judge Kevin Ross will be the guest on the show uh, next week. Until then, it's in the cozy vine.
Good night, guys. Buddy. We are the heirs of that first revolution. What a strong and united America.